Amen. Many of you guys know that we're doing a series here at Thrive. It's called Street Cred. Everyone say Street Cred. And street cred is all about leadership. It's because we believe you were born to be a leader. You were made to make a difference. You were saved to serve. You are blessed to be a blessing. And when we talk about being a leader with street cred, what exactly do we mean? We've had this definition up for you guys for a while about what street cred is. Street cred is having a reputation for being tough. Are you a tough person? Not tough to get along with, but tough in your toughest times. Tough when you're facing difficult circumstances. Being resilient, not giving up easily. Someone who's got a reputation for toughness. Give give, give your neighbor a high five and say, you look like you got street cred. Amen. Amen. It's about having a reputation for toughness. It's about commanding a certain level of respect when you're around people, that when people look at you, they look up to you. They think, you know, this is a person that I respect. I might not always agree with everything you say, but I respect what you do. That's about having street cred. Being being someone with street cred is also about being relatable, being someone that loves people and is able to make a difference in people's lives, about having resources that help you to succeed in whatever environment you are in. And the reason why we're doing this series called Street Cred is because we absolutely believe you were made to be a leader with street cred. If you believe that, say amen. Amen. If you could turn with me to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. It's on the screen as well. We're just going to read this in a big loud voice, verses 1 to 3. Read it in a big loud voice. 1, 2, 3, it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. During this series called Street Cred, we've been talking about different characteristics that make a leader with street cred. And we've also been talking about what are the things that keep me and you from becoming the leaders we were born to be. And so over the past few weeks, we've been talking about how, you know, street cred leaders are unselfish leaders. Everyone say unselfish is that they don't let selfishness get in the way of their leadership. And then another week we talked about how street cred leaders are consistent. Everyone say consistency. Is that street cred leaders, they'd say what they do, they do what they say, they are consistent. And they don't let inconsistency be a lid on their leadership. Last week, Pastor Charlene gave an amazing, powerful message on courage and how street cred leaders are courageous. If you believe that, say amen. And wasn't that an awesome message last week that Pastor Charlene gave? Fantastic message. And uh, we were really blessed to have her share uh, about the street cred killer called fear. We don't want fear to be a lid on our leadership. This morning, we have uh, an amazing leader who's here to share the word of God with us and to share with us the fourth street cred killer. Uh, he's going to be talking today about disconnectedness. And today, would you join me in welcoming the one and only, the very talented, uh, someone who has been serving God for so many years, longer than many of us have been alive. He is such a blessing, and yet he looks young as, uh, as ever. We're so glad to have him here. Could you please welcome, uh, along with his wife Sandra, the one and only Pastor Tim Ashoi. Let's give him a big, big hand here in this place today. Let's welcome him to the church this morning. Give him a big shout. Let's give God a big shout in this place together right now. Somebody say, wow. This is great stuff you're dealing with here at Thrive. And uh, Sandra and I have followed some of the messages here. And last week was just over the top, Shar. That was so good. So making yourself so open, vulnerable, and yet uh, sharing uh, wonderful truth that sets people free. 
and the whole series is just just great. And uh, so we're looking forward to this morning sharing some things that are in our heart. Uh, because uh, as leaders, we don't want to see leadership just as a flash in the pan, a momentary thing, and then it's all over. We want to see longevity in leadership. We don't want to fizzle out. Turn to somebody and say, I don't want to fizzle out. But we want to have that enduring strength that's been alluded to this morning. And uh, recently, my wife and I, we, we were in eastern Canada, in Ottawa, our capital. And then from there, we had some ministry in the southern part of Ontario. And we had a couple days. And we kind of did a little loop into the United States and then came back to Windsor and London, where we had ministry. <clears throat> And uh, we dropped into a, a church that I visited, can you believe this, 45 years ago. I visited this church. It was one of America's greatest churches. Uh, it had a seating capacity of 5,500 people and, and was built in 1959. Back in 59, they did not build churches with 5,500 seats. And uh, this uh, particular ministry had a, had a great vision and uh, they had long-term ministry. Not only have, they had a television ministry, they had a traveling ministry, they had a local ministry, which filled that place repeatedly, uh, sharing the gospel, bringing people to Jesus. And, uh, and they, they did not fizzle out. They're a great example of, of ongoing ministry. And the time came when that particular ministry passed on to heaven. And I wondered what had happened. You know, if, uh, sometimes uh, things are a bit isolated. You don't hear how things are going on. And so we dropped into this place to see it and met some people there and discovered that a ministry is continuing there in that large facility and uh, wonderful campus, actually, and um, discovered that now a, a leader who is 97 years of age is preaching four times a week. <laughs> and he has healing meetings on Fridays, and they come by the thousands to, to hear the message of, of freedom and the gospel and the message of healing. And I thought, wow, 97 years old. And still going strong. And he just returned from Africa when we were there. A ministry trip to Africa. And I think, uh, you know, we can have longevity in ministry. We don't have to fizzle out. Some of you are thinking, you know, I'm 50 and I'm on the decline and I got five years to go to <laughs> retirement. Forget it. Turn to somebody say, forget it. <laughs> be, be thinking about starting at 97. <laughs> and when, when I was a young boy, I, I, I said to God one, one day uh, <clears throat> as I was going to sleep and, uh, and I had some fears I was dealing with and and then I thought, you know, one way to get rid of your fears is just commit your life to God and, and, uh, and say, God, I'm here to serve you, laying down my life and take my life and whatever. And then I said to God that at night, and it's one of the things I remember as a boy, uh, I just can't seem to forget that. I said to God, God, I'll serve you until I'm at least 90. <laughs> and uh, and uh, so I'm on the way there. 
Turn to somebody this morning and say, I'm on the way to 90. But turn to somebody else and say, I'm going to serve God. <laughs> We're going to serve God. Billy Graham left a great legacy uh, of glorifying God in his ministry. I was very moved by his story. I've read many of his books, and then the story of his life was so well displayed at the end of his life and at his funeral and memorial. Over the years, he, he was one of the mentors in my life, uh, and I loved what their team did and how they served God. Uh, I, could, I could reference all kinds of, of people. I, I had a man I was thinking of was preparing this, this message. He served as an elder in the church that Sandra and I grew up in as, as children. His name was Bob Jolly. What, what a great name. <laughs> Turn to somebody and say, I wish I had a name, Jolly. <laughs> anyway, he was like a rock. As a matter of fact, he was a farmer, but he was an elder in the church, and his farm was right next door to where my wife grew up. And he was one of these rock-solid individuals that never stopped serving God as long as he lived. He, he was, it was all about serving God. Even though he was a farmer, it was about serving God first. And what an impact somebody like that has on our life. I had people like a, a gentleman called Dr. Glenn McLean, Dr. G.S. McLean, who impacted my life big time as I was developing in ministry. Uh, just these rock-solid kind of people. Uh, there are many, many mentors that maybe you have out there. They just keep on going. You know, they just, they, they don't fizzle out, but they just keep on going. I think of the apostles and their faith. You think, and right to the end, they were dedicated. People like Matthew. At the end of his life, he was slain with the sword. Then you got Mark, who was uh, cruelly dragged through the city of Alexandra uh, and, and died in that way. Luke uh, died a very cruel death. John was put in a cauldron of boiling oil. And that's how he ended his life, but never flinched in their faith. They were, they were faithful to the end, and even though they went out with a great deal of suffering, they, they were there in faith strong. Peter was crucified. James was beheaded. Bartholomew was flayed alive. Andrew was bound to a cross. And Thomas... Uh, his, his body was run through with, uh, with huge uh, terror and torment. Uh, Jude was uh, shot to death with, with arrows. Matthias was stoned and beheaded. Barn Barnabas was stoned to death, and Paul was tortured and beheaded by Nero. You talk about people who didn't fizzle out, but they fought to demonstrate Jesus Christ right to the very last breath. I say, what an example. What an example. And, and I want to be able to, in, in my life, take on something 
of that. I, I don't feel that in any way I've come anywhere near some of the dedication and some of the commitment and some of the, the passion that these people lived out their lives with. It's amazing when you look at their lives. <clears throat> About one year ago, I attended the funeral of the man who I knew personally was the leader of Prayer Canada. Uh, when he was 96 years old, uh, I had a picture taken with him, and uh, he had just renewed his light, driver's license at 96 years of age. And then a year later, after driving his car for yet another year, he, he passed on to glory. But what a man. This, this man went across Canada establishing prayer in all the legislative buildings and in the Parliament of Canada. He, he worked to establish prayer in government. And uh, Sandra and I had the privilege in Ottawa of going to the House of Prayer, which, is, uh, which was established by someone that I, I knew quite well out of the city of Vernon. And now there is a House of Prayer for our nation that goes on day after day after day, and is in, uh, people come from all over Canada to pray for Canada in that lovely home in Ottawa. And I, I think these things are, are so awesome. It's awesome to see these kinds of ministries go on and continue to impact. The life of the man who started uh, Prayer Canada was uh, Arnie Bryant, and, uh, and, and, and his life will be remembered for, forever for prayer, for persistence in prayer, and, and longevity in prayer. This man drove across the provinces all over Canada. Not only did he visit, visit legislatures and so forth, he, he went to pastors and pleaded with pastors to to pray for our nation. And before he came along, there wasn't a lot happening that was really organized for Canada. But this long-term ministry in the area of prayer uh, was amazing to the life of our nation. And I believe the fruit of this is felt and seen in Canada today. <clears throat> I call these kind of leaders pillars. Pillars remain in place, and they function in their calling. They never miss a beat. You don't have to wonder if they will be there. You can count on pillars. The Bible says that he that overcomes, I will make a pillar in the temple of the Lord. These people quit. I mean, they wouldn't even think of quitting because they're pillars. We have a pillar in our in the place we live. It kind of holds up our building. Uh, it it, it makes, makes me feel secure on the 16th floor here where we live really close by because there is that pillar that's kind of holding up that side of the building. And, and in a similar way, we need uh, pillars in the house of God. We need pillars in our nation. We need pillars in our city who are just there to hold up what needs to be held up. Can you say amen? 
I want to be a pillar. Turn to somebody and say, I want to be a pillar. Some of you are young, but you are becoming pillars, and true leaders are like pillars. They are pillars. Turn to somebody and say, I think you are becoming a pillar. You are becoming a pillar. Turn to somebody else and say, I believe you can become a pillar. A beautiful pillar. Hallelujah. This, there's a sad side to some of the things we are speaking about here this morning. And that is that there are potential pillars. There are great runners who fizzled out and they missed the mark. Paul spoke to a group of people in the New Testament, Galatians chapter 5. He said, you did run well. Who did hinder you? You ran well, but, but what hindered you? He asked that question. And I hope that's not said of any of us. You know, you did run well, but what did hinder you? What did stop you? What did stop you from getting to the finish line? Galatian believers started well in the grace of God, and then the legalizers came along and perverted the gospel of grace, adding things, saying you must do this or that to become a genuine follower of Christ, and, and so on. And, and they were beginning to miss the mark. They had gone off the target. I don't want it said of any of us that you did run well, but you're not running anymore. Better you did and are running well. I am running well. I want to write, run right to the finish line. I happen to be, in my young years, a runner. And I ran the 100 yards in those days, not meters. The 100-yard dash and then the 220 and the 440. Those were my three runs. And I was not happy to run 90 yards and quit on the 100-yard. I wanted to get to that 100-yard, and I wanted to be there ahead of the pack. And I believe that same passion should be in our lives. We, we don't want to come short. We don't want to fall out of the race. We want to run the race well. Paul had a commentary on one man that started with him. His name was Demas. Demas seemed to start well, but then Paul said concerning Demas, Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world. That's one of the challenges we have in, in, the, in this life that we are living. You want to say that one of the challenges in street cred is, is the fact we are challenged with facing the things of this world and what kind of distraction that can be to us. You see, there is a world system out there, and this world system is devised by the devil himself, and it's devised to stop us from running in the race. It's, the, it's, it's, it's there to, to weaken us. It's there to cause us in the end to fizzle out. And the Bible has a lot to say about, about the world. 
You read about the world and all that is in the world. Luke chapter 8, verse 14 talks about the cares of this world, the riches, the pleasures of this life. It chokes the word, and then there is no fruit that is brought forth in the end as a result of this worldly system working against us in our lives. If we give room for that to come into our lives, it's a very serious thing. It can stop us from running to the finish line. John chapter 2, verse 15, John says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. Things that are in the world are not of the Father, but they are of the world. They, they, they keep us away from the purposes of God. We need to distance ourselves from the traps that are set in the world that lure us away from the plan and the purpose of God. John 2.16, it goes like this. All that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. We must guard against the lust of the flesh, the, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. There are three great enemies to, to an overcoming, abundant Christian life, and they are the world, the flesh, and the devil. And all of these come from the same spirit. These three, Israel was brought into bondage to in Egypt. That's how they, they lost out. James chapter 1, verse 27 says, True religion, non defiled before the Father, is to visit the fatherless and the widows and so on, but to keep yourself unspotted from the world. The world is a very powerful thing, that system that has been devised by the enemy to lure us away from God is a very powerful thing. And the Bible says that we are to keep ourselves unspotted from the world. In other words, keep yourself pure. Don't let this blemish you. Don't let the world, the flesh, the devil, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, don't let that mar your life because it can stop the longevity of our ministry and our life. Longevity has a lot to do with keeping ourselves pure. Fail to do that, and we can lose out. The world and its influence can be like a poison to the soul. You see, these things, all of these things war against our soul. We don't want to give in to that war and, and have that, that, that enemy win in our life. We will not allow the world to to succeed in its battle against us, but we will stand against the world. Psalm 92, I want to take us there this morning for a few moments. Psalm 92 says, The wicked spring up as grass, workers of iniquity uh, flourish, then they're destroyed, they kind of fizzle out. But then there is a contrast, and that is David calls us into what brings longevity in our life in Psalm 92, and he says that we should be planted in the house of the Lord. All that other stuff causes people to fizzle out. The world causes people to fizzle out. 
the wicked stuff that goes on in our world brings destruction into the lives of people. But he said there's, there's some things that actually will produce longevity. I'm going to talk about that from Psalm 92. It says, those that are planted in the house of the Lord will flourish. In other words, they will have long, longevity. Psalm 92.13 says, those that be planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of the Lord, and they will bring forth fruit in old age. Wow. Somebody say, wow. We want to bring forth fruit in old age. And it says, in old age, they will still be fat and flourishing. Now, isn't that good news? You can have a long-lived, holy, healthy, flourishing life because you are planted in the house of the Lord. Here we see that the eternal is added to the temporal. In this place, things do not fade because we are in a place where eternity is at work. And the true house of the Lord is where the presence of God is, where eternity is at work. The Bible tells us that the path of the just is as a shining light that shines more and more unto the perfect day. Every one of us need to believe for that for our lives and for the lives of our brothers and sisters. We need to believe that there will be a shining light that increases. Don't fall for the lie that, you know, my life is going to become dimmer and dimmer and dimmer as I get older and older. No, God's Word says the path of the justice is a shining light that shines more and more unto the perfect day. Amen. The Bible also tells us that we'll be like a palm tree that, that will grow beautifully and will grow like a cedar of Lebanon. David's longing was to be in the house of the Lord. He said, I want to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. He says, it's where I want to live my life. I want to be planted where the presence of God is. And, and being, being planted beside others of faith, together we make a temple for the Lord, a place that we can flourish in. You as lively st stones are built up a spiritual house. So each one of you are a lively stone here. And it's important that you be planted in this house, in this local church. It's important that we have a connection with God and a connection with one another. And being planted in the house of the Lord, you will flourish and you will not fizzle out. Turn to somebody and say, I will not fizzle out. Why? Because, turn to somebody else and say, because I'm planted. Yeah, because I'm planted, I will not fizzle out. So therefore, we remain in the house of the Lord. You know, the, the enemy tries to pull people out of the church. Because the enemy does not like success in God and longevity in God. So what does he do? He pulls people out of the house of the Lord. Maybe it's an offense, or maybe it's worldliness, maybe it's other things, other priorities, you know. I was thinking the other day, what, what has happened over the years in the, in the area of sports is really has bothered me. Uh, I think sports are great, great disciplines, etc. but when sports kind of took over Sundays and people had no time to go to the house of the Lord because... You know, their kids were in hockey and basketball and traveling here and there. 
and pretty soon they, they, they found that, you know, there, there was no time for the house of the Lord. Very destructive thing. Guard, your, guard, guard the house of the Lord in your life. Make it a priority and say, I'll, I'll, I'll have to miss out on, on that, that game, but I'm going to be in the house of the Lord. I'm going to be planted in the house of the Lord unless God is giving you a special release to be a witness in a situation. That's different. But, but, but our planting in the house of the Lord, we, we, need to be, we need to be firmly planted in the house of God and faithful to the house of God because it has a huge bearing on your longevity and ministry. I've watched over the years, even friends of ours, great people, but they got caught up in, in Sunday stuff that knocked out their planting in the house of the Lord. And pretty soon they have no time for the house of God. And today, you know, their lives are so distant from God. And in many instances, their children did not serve God at all because they were not planted in the house of the Lord. So important because the Bible says when, when you do that, you will flourish in your life. Turn to somebody and say, I want to be planted. Yes, in the house of the Lord. The second thing I want to deal with this morning is praising God as a way of life. Psalm 92, 1 to 10, talks about those things. We cannot go wrong living in an attitude and an atmosphere of praise at all times. So wonderful here this morning. Hear the praises of God. Then reaching out to God in prayer and talking to God and just uh, giving Him your heart and, and just honoring and worshiping God. This, this, this atmosphere is so important to our longevity. Because God inhabits the praises of his people. And the battles we face cannot be faced in our own strength. We need to have the presence of God. And the presence of God comes as we praise God. You can have the presence of God as you're walking down the street in your life. Even in, in, in your work, if there's that, that from your heart going, God, I, I love you and I honor you and I worship you. And, and you are more than life to me, I'll tell you, you will have a long, satisfying Christian life, and you'll be a great leader in the kingdom of God. But if, if we get into murmuring and complaining and, and negativity, we will find ourselves losing our place of leadership, and we will, we will not run the race well till the end. We will be, we will be in some way, stymied in our life. I had the privilege, I want to use an illustration here, growing up under a pastor who was an amazing man, had an amazing conversion, and this is in our young years, but there's one thing I always remember to, about him. He always said, praise God, glory to God. It was always on his lips. He was a hard-driving cursing man before he became a Christian. When he became a Christian, he became a hard-working, wonderful, praising man, and he lived his life out that way. A man that I know mentored under him for ministry, 
said that at five o'clock in the morning, if you were if you were awake, if you woke up, he would be in his office, and his Bible would be open, and he would start praising God at five in the morning. And the 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 fruits of that man's ministry are amazing, and he lived right to the end, praising God, and his reward, I know, is very, very great. You know, the Bible tells us in 2 Chronicles 20, 20, that when they praised God, God set up ambushments, and, and they won in, a, in an overwhelming battle. One of the most important things in our lives is to give glory to God. But I want to say today, one of the most dangerous things in our lives is to not give glory to God. If you're new here today to maybe things of God and Christian life and so on, don't let this scare you too much. But I, I want to sound a warning here in a couple of examples where people fail to give glory to God. Nebuchadnezzar. There's a man who was giving glory to himself. He said, is not this the great Babylon that I have built by my might and my power? He's giving glory to himself. And as a result of him giving glory to himself, the word came to him, the kingdom is departed from you. And he says, you will dwell with beasts and you will eat grass until you know that the most high rules. Turn to somebody and say, this is heavy. <laughs> this is really heavy. <laughs> and the story goes on to say that this man who is this, this you know, high-level, dignified king who was giving glory to himself, he ends up actually eating grass and with the beasts of the field. I think grass is not all bad, maybe, but what's around the grass... I don't know if I'd want to be eating everything that's down there. You know, grass is underfoot, and here this man is eating this grass. What a humiliating place to be. Turn to somebody and say, I don't want to eat grass. <laughs> but, you know, the Bible says this happened. This happened because he failed to give glory to God. But there's, there's a good part to this story because the Bible says later, he acknowledges God. At the end of his days, he blessed God, and he says, I praised and I honored him whose dominion is forever from generation to generation. And at the same time, my reason re returned, and the, he said, there is a king in heaven, and I'm going to give glory to him. You see, the, the downfall is when we give glory to ourselves, and the uprising where we're raised is when... We give glory to God. The book of Acts chapter 12 is a similar story. Here is uh, Herod in all of his splendor and glory. And he, he's seated on the throne. And people, when he spoke, said, this is the voice of God, not the voice of man. And then immediately an angel smites him because he gave not the glory to God and he was eaten of worms and he gave up the ghost. Turn to somebody and say, I don't want to be eaten of worms. <laughs> That's not what we want. And, and I know that God is a gracious God, but there are some of these extreme examples of the, of the Bible that encourage us to be a people who praise God 
in everything we do, in our whole life is bent on giving glory to God. And we learn that lesson. If you and I want to be long-lasting leaders, have long longevity in our lives and in our ministry, let's be a people of praise. Turn to somebody and say, I'm going to be a person of praise. We're going to praise God. We're going to honor. The third thing, and I conclude with this this morning, permanently abiding in Christ. John chapter 15. I know there are many things that we could share this morning, but these three things I've sorted out, feeling that God wanted to bring that emphasis today, and that is permanently, Jesus said, abide in me. If I've if, if, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you'll ask whatever you will and it shall be, shall be done. If you, if you disconnect yourself from God and from Jesus, Jesus is the vine, we are the branches. The branches need to be connected into the, into the vine. And when that is there, we have abundant life and we have fruitfulness we can ask whatever, and it'll be done. And verse 16 on John 15 says, there will be remaining fruit. So, fizzle out, entangled with the world, failing to give God glory, no way. Live out, live it out long term, planted in the house, praising God, a permanent con connection with Jesus Christ. Absolutely. I say yes. How about you this morning? Let's say yes. Let's just say yes. Yes. Say it again. Yes. Yes. Let's stand. Lord, we want longevity. We want what's lasting. And you're the eternal one, and you gives us, give us what's lasting. Move in our lives. Lord, we realize that while there are certain disciplines that, that bring us to great things in life and great endings, it takes more than our, our disciplines. It takes the power of God. It takes the power of the Holy Spirit. It takes a God invasion. You might be here this morning and you're saying, I, I can't do this. With God, everything is possible. And this morning, we encourage you to tap into Jesus, to His grace and into His strength. And you won't fizzle out. God's working in your life and in your circumstances. You'll make it. I'll make it. I'll make it to the end victorious. We'll be praising God at 97 years of age or whatever age. Still be strong. Giving glory to God. Thank you, Lord. We honor you, Lord.